scrape. Try again. How are we doing? Testing. Down a little. All right. How's that? Well, you made it this morning. That's good to see you all today. Here for number four of our series, Simply Christmas. And uh, we're going to be moving along uh, as we walk through this together. Uh, you know, uh, last week we mentioned the pressure was on because we were 12 days away from Christmas. Now the pressure is really on. It still sounds a little loud and echoey. I don't know if you, you're picking that up. There, there we go. And um, so, you know, so that pressure was on. Now the pressure is about to just be over. You have less than 112 hours. 112. I'm not even going to ask about your tree, if your tree's up or not. You kind of missed it, if that's not the case, maybe. Uh, I will ask, how many of you are happy with your tree? How many of you are just okay with your tree? Okay. How many of you are not so okay with your tree? Oh, all right, well, almost one. Okay, all right. So, you know, we got some tree problems going on there. Um, our tree has looked the same for the last 20 years, basically because it's a fake tree, and uh, we love it about 20 feet away. It looks like a real one, so we're really happy about that. And, uh, you know, as uh, most of you know, uh, our daughter Sarah got married this summer, and she and Joe uh, have their first tree, and they're ver very excited about getting their first tree. And uh, as they set it up, they began to notice a spider climbing to the top of their tree. And I can kind of imagine it unfolding like this. And you thought when the person in your life freaked out about a spider, there was no reason to freak out about a spider. Well, for them, though, uh, you know, uh, Joe quickly dispatched the spider. That means killed it. And before you knew it, there was another one. There was another one. There was another one. There was 25 spiders until I'm imagining Sarah just did this and the tree was gone. So fortunately, somebody else provided a tree for them. They say the tree is still out of their apartment, kind of like in a corner somewhere, blowing around the parking lot. But you know, when you and I think about uh, Simply Christmas, when we think about uh, reliving what maybe for some of us that first Christmas was like, uh, we, you know, we just uh, start to reminisce, and there's all these warm feelings. And some of us, when we think of uh, you know, getting married and all of that, at least I, I always go back to this song, and this song is really before my time, but uh, I remember listening to it, and I remember when Cindy and I were, you know, dating and thinking about her and thinking about getting married and all those kinds of things. This song was going through my mind. Remember those days? You remember, wouldn't it be nice? 
wouldn't it be nice if we were older, then we would be, wouldn't have to wait so long, and wouldn't it be nice to live together in the kind of world where we belong? Wouldn't it, you know it's going to make it much better when we can say goodnight and stay together. Wouldn't it be nice if we could wake up in the morning when the day is new? And after having spent the day together, hold each other close the whole night through. Happy, happy times together we've been spending. I wish that every kiss was never ending. Oh, wouldn't it be nice? He goes on, maybe if we think and wish and hope and pray, it might come true. Baby, then there wouldn't be a single thing we couldn't do. Oh, we could be married. Oh, we could be married. And then we would be happy. Then would we be happy. Oh, wouldn't it be nice? Remember that? Remember those feelings? Remember those thoughts? Well, here's a picture of Cindy and I, the first picture I think we have together back in 1985 when we started dating one summer, and then she broke my heart a couple times, and then finally we did get married, and she said yes. But uh, back then, and that was, you know, kind of your dream. Uh, there really was that dream. There was the dream of life together and, uh, and simply Christmas. Uh, those were the days where, uh, you know, you just had a few decorations to put on the tree. Now sometimes I think we have more decorations that go back to the attic or the storage place that actually get put out because you just keep collecting these things, and now you have more than you actually can put out. Uh, but all those simple days, you know, those simple days when, uh, you know, uh, it was just, uh, just the two of you, not a lot of stuff, and all of that. And uh, we can think about that with Christmas, too. And it was our dream. It was a dream to be together, to have our life together. And, and that's the same case we heard in the uh, Advent reading. And, and I do challenge you, how many closed their eyes and prayed or looked at Evie the whole time? I, I looked at Evie. I did not, I did not uh, close my eyes and pray, so that, I think that's okay. But anyway, but uh, the Advent dream was, uh, the Advent dream, uh, the Advent reading was all about the idea of Joseph and Mary and eventually getting married. And in that first little verse, there's a sentence here that says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. And, uh, you know, life was just sweet. You can just imagine Joseph singing that Beach Boy song as he is, you know, going over to see Mary. Wouldn't it be great? Someday we'll be married and, you know, and all those kinds of things. And they were, they were pledged to be married. There was the anticipation that life was good. And they were dreaming about that, being together. Well, most of us uh, have dreams they can be about anything. They can be relational dreams. They can be uh, college dreams. They can be uh, business dreams. Uh, they can be uh, having a, you know, just the family dreams, having a baby, uh, being close to the grandkids someday, all those kinds of things. All of us have dreams, and we can get in those moments where we're just, life is just seeming to click. And again, going back to Joseph and Mary, that's all that's going on. See, a lot of us know the rest of the story and know things are going to change a little bit. Things, there's some surprises coming up. But in that moment, being pledged to be married, things were good. You see, life was in one piece. It was together. It was moving together, and things were good. Now, you need to realize that when Joseph and Mary were pledged to each other, that it's like engagement, but it's much more than engagement. 
When they were pledged to be together, there was more than engagement. It was to undo a pledged marriage, you would actually have to get a divorce. And the pledged was uh, the pledged period, the, the waiting time, the, incur- the engagement time, really was a time where um, it was uh, one of the time, one of the parts of it was to see uh, if there was purity in the relationship. Uh, to see if Mary uh, was pure, if anything was going on, in the same way to see if Jace, um, Jason, yeah, see if Joseph uh, had been pure. And so during this time, they're, they're kind of just, just waiting. You've got to also remember that the parents would usually have some kind of say in the marriage, and they would be the marriage makers or the matchmakers. And so, again, life is good. You know, the happy couple was registered at the local Walmart, Target, Macy's, Kohl's, Uh, Hopefully Best Buy, you know, a large flat screen TV can help any marriage get off to a good start. So hopefully it was one of those on the list. And they were just ready. And uh, uh, this was all happening for a number of reasons. Uh, Joseph wanted to live the dream, but he had been living a certain way that set him up to live the dream in in a most excellent way. And some of that was his faithfulness and purity. We're going to read about that. We see that he was faithful and pure. We see Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. And really what that means is Joseph was living God's way living God's way. Because Joseph was living God's way, there were just, there were just character things. Things were going, um, you know, it, it was just, it was just a, a good way uh, to live. He embraced them. He wanted to follow them. Uh, you know, it's the whole idea of a marriage God's way. And uh, again, that purity time, they, they were not intimate before this. Uh, so all of that was going on because he wanted to live God's way. We have another way of saying this uh, line is this, Jesus was a righteous man full of integrity. Integrity has the idea of claimed values and lived values matched together. And a lot of times we as Christ followers have claimed values. They don't always match in the expression of the way we live. But for Joseph, he wasn't perfect. He wasn't a saint. He was a regular man, but he was a righteous man. Claimed values, lived values were matching up. He was a man of integrity. Also, again, we see that this idea of righteousness is expressed through obedience, compassion, and goodness. Um, Later on, we find out that when he discovers that Mary is expecting, and he knows that he's not the dad, that he wanted to, in a sense, divorce her quietly. He didn't want to shame her. He didn't want to do any of those things, but, but he wanted to uh, function according to uh, God's ways. And if that had happened, he, he was just going to quietly not make her make a scene about it. And uh, again, he had this righteousness. He had this obedience, this compassion, and this goodness. And we need to realize in these times, you know, when we think about all of this, uh, this idea of uh, purity and a lack of intimacy before marriage, that wasn't just a cultural thing for Jesus' day, for Joseph and Mary's day, but that's something for us today. And we need to understand that. And, uh, you know, for those of us who are thinking about marriage someday, to, to, to function apart God's ways just puts things in motion that makes things healthier. Now, if that's not your case in your life, that doesn't mean life is over. It just means that there's some, a few little obstacles to, to get through that's possible with Christ. But the ideal God's way, Joseph's way, Mary's way, is to save that intimacy for marriage. 
Another translation says it this way, Joseph was someone who always did what is right. I like that. I know when our girls have been dating, they've dated some guys, I hate to say, that they just don't know if they're going to do the right thing. In the right moment, are they going to actually do the right thing when it comes to integrity, when it comes to being honest, when it comes to... And there's been a couple boys that, a couple of the daughters have said, I'm not really sure he's going to do the right thing. I'm not sure about that. So they've kind of pulled back from that relationship. Uh, they like the boy, but, they, but that not having that confidence uh, kind of unnerved them. It wasn't huge, but it was just not the right thing. And so likewise, Joseph was a guy who did the right thing. Now, it doesn't matter how perfect things are. It doesn't matter how uh, good the dream is. You know, you get married, you start having kids. There are bloopers. There are problems in life. And I thought I would just show you a few of the bloopers that the Schraders had when they were putting together their Advent wreath. <laughs> okay, start over. Okay, I can edit this. So. That's not weird. See, no matter how, far, how hard you try, life is not perfect. And that was kind of a fun way to say that. So we have our dreams, we have our expectations, and it doesn't unfold perfectly. And that can be okay. But then there are some of those moments where the dreams, it, it's tough. It's hard. It actually becomes more of a nightmare. And I want to say for Joseph and Mary, we talked about Mary a couple weeks ago. She accepted news with a servant's heart. I'm sure it was a shock. But I'm guessing for Joseph, this was a nightmare. Earlier I said that he, when he found out she was expecting, knew he wasn't the father and knew how complicated that would be. Uh, if, he, if he did decide to marry her, uh, then there would be this, this little scandal in their community. It would always be known. Communities were small. They would, would kind of have this scarlet letter that you know, they had not waited and all that goes along with that. And so this, this was a real, I'm sure this, uh, this just was crushing. Some of us have had romances that didn't work out. Well, probably all of us have. And... Uh, Maybe they, were, maybe they were just in the dating place. Maybe you got engaged and then it broke off. Or maybe you got married and the, and the marriage didn't make it. And you have that heartache. That, that's, that's a dream turning into a nightmare. Maybe it's a business and it fails. Uh, maybe it's your relationship with your kids. Maybe it's uh, something at work, and you're, you're trying to do it. You maybe you get laid off, maybe lose a job, or, or maybe you don't get the job somebody else does, and you just have to live in the wake of that. Whatever that is, you can have a dream, 
and all of a sudden can turn into a nightmare. And what's amazing is Joseph navigates that, as most of us to some degree already know, but Joseph is able to, to navigate that. Mary is pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, before they got married, before they were intimate with each other, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, Enet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. And then something changes. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Until that angel comes, until he gets that message, and we've talked about angels and messages and all that in this series about simply Christmas, until that all unfolds, uh, this, this is a major crisis. Even when the angel comes, I'm sure it wasn't like, hey, okay, it was, it was digesting it, it was understanding. So his life now uh, is a life in pieces. It's a life in pieces, and he's going to try to figure out how do I put this all together? How do I live with the scandal? What do I do? How do I love Mary? How do I deal with uh, all of this? And I, I get the Holy Spirit coming on her. I really, well, I, I really don't get that, but I had an, an angel tell me this, and, and she says the same thing, and th this is just hard. Life is in pieces, and there's all these little components. What do I say to my parents? What do I say to her parents? Her parents are going to think that, you know, yeah, we, we were together, and, uh, you know, they're not, they're not going to buy this. My best friend, my best man, they're going to go, come on, Joseph, get real. This happens, but, but he's saying, no, I'm not the father. God is the father. No matter where you and I are, life can be in pieces. Life can be in pieces right now. There could be four, five, six pieces, and we're looking at life, and we're going, wow, what do, what do I do with this? Paul speaks to thinking forward, thinking the pieces and beyond that. He says these words. He says this. That's why we can be sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. And what I think I take away from what Paul's saying is that when we have all those pieces... When life is falling apart, even the ones that we've personally created, that we have a loving Heavenly Father that can look at those pieces and start to put them together. So we've got the dream. Dream turns into a nightmare. And then the morning comes. You ever had a really bad nightmare and you wake up or, and you can't get back to sleep and it's just tossing and turning. You know what you dreamed about wasn't real, but it just, it, you just can't get it out of your mind. And then the morning comes. And when the morning comes, there's peace. Sometimes we start to totally forget that nightmare. It fades very quickly. Sometimes we have to work really hard to retell that story to someone else. You wouldn't believe what I had a dream because it fades in the morning pieces start to come together. For Joseph, dream, nightmare, morning. For you and I, we can take our dreams, we can have the nightmare, and then comes the morning. The Lord appeared to him in that dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, 
because what she has conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus, he saves. Save them from their sins. Save them from the consequences of their sins. See, in the morning, all of a sudden, Joseph finds out that the, the, the child he's going to raise as a son who isn't his biological son, that son is going to do something. I'm guessing Joseph couldn't even really put his mind around. Save them from their sins. What does that mean? But he knew it was good. Why do you know it was good? Not only because he could see a sinful world, a broken world all around him, but he saw the brokenness in his own life. Yes, he was a righteous man, but he wasn't a perfect man. Those of us who are trying to follow God have those moments where all of a sudden we go, where did that darkness come from in my heart? Why would I even think that? Why would I even entertain that? Why did I react that way? You see, even when you and I say yes to Jesus, we still fight that brokenness that is within our own hearts. So Joseph though he couldn't put his mind probably totally around it, thought, saving from sins, just imagine what that would do to my community. Just imagine what that would do to my life. Read, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded and took Mary home as his wife, even with all the scandal. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. And even in that last verse, there is sacrifice. There's the idea that they were not intimate even though they were married, even though he had taken her home to be his wife. And he honored that. I'm sure that wasn't easy at all. Because, again, from the Beach Boys, we want to be together. We want to wake up. We want to be in each other's arms all night long. Tough stuff. The same prophet that predicted the birth of Jesus says these things. He says, Lord, be gracious to us. We long for you. Jesus Emmanuel with us, God with us. Be our strength every morning, our salvation in the time of our distress. Strength every morning. Sometimes I just want to go to sleep a little bit earlier so I can get this day over and start the new one because I know in the morning things look better. They look different. That word, our salvation, means saving us from the moments. We're not talking about eternal salvation here. It can be applied to that. But it's really saving us from our times of distress, saving us when our life is in pieces. In the morning, God can start to put those pieces back together. So we have a life in pieces, and now we have a life moving to being at peace. And even when all the pieces haven't fit together perfectly, we can still be at peace. Psalm 18.20 reads, God made my life complete when I placed the pieces before him. When I got my act together, that doesn't mean perfect, that means just getting up and getting ready and getting in motion, engaging. 
When I got my act together, he gave me a fresh start. I don't know about you, but there's many days, many days where I have to put the pieces of my life before him. I need to get in motion, get out of bed, get moving, start moving in the direction I need to move in, even though my emotions and my just aren't there yet. And I find that God gives me a fresh start, gives me a new beginning, gives me a new day, gives me a life at peace. Now, that word peace, when we think about that word peace, often we think about an absence of conflict. We would love to have a world at peace. That is selling that word so short. The word peace means so much more than just not being fighting, not being at war. You know, when we think about countries being at peace, we're just saying they don't cross each other's borders. They don't shoot over the border. They, they, they just kind of don't bug each other. That's not the kind of peace we're talking about. It's so broader than that. It's shalom. Uh, people write books on shalom and God's peace. Just a simple little introductory to the concept and a definition is this. May you be healthy, whole, complete, and know where you fit in the universe and may you find tranquility. Wouldn't that be nice to know where you fit in the universe, to know where you fit in God's plan, God's purpose. All of us have a place. There are other passages that say God ordered the days, preordained the days to place us in the here and now. You're not in 2020 by accident. When God looked at the scheme of things, when he looked at the way the world would unfold, he placed you so you would be alive in 2020. Health, wholeness, completeness, that is a life at peace. And what's fantastic, as we know from the story about the shepherds, talk about that in a few minutes, that everyone is invited All people, there's not one person that is excluded to having a life at peace, to beginning that life now, to having that fresh start now and continuing on in this life and into the next life and through eternity. Everyone is invited. Shepherds, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Many of us know the story, and all of a sudden the angel appears, then the angels appear, and they say, you peace, goodwill towards you men, and they say, come, go see this little baby, this Messiah, he's been born in a major, wrapped up in swaddling clothes. You know the story, and the shepherds are like, wow, you are inviting us, I can't believe it. You see, everyone is invited. Everyone is invited. Today in Kids Zone, the kids are going to be talking about God's peace is for everyone. And our hope is that kids hear that over and over again, that they realize they can be partakers of the peace that God offers them. And they can start off as a young child. That's the reason it's important we have Awana and Kids Zone and other things. So kids can discover they can be at peace now. And peace is for everyone. Peace with God. 
Paul writes of this. He says, therefore, since we have been justified, the idea of justified, again, there's books on that. Justification is the idea is just if I had not sinned, we're justified. God, does it, God takes that away from us because Christ gives his life for us, ultimately on the cross, rises again. We can be justified from our sins through faith. And then we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I've entrusted my life. When you and I say yes to Jesus, that can be our daily plan. That can be our daily reality. That in the morning we start off, we remember his unfailing love that he gave Jesus for us. Jesus born in a manger, he gave him for us. And I put my trust in that, I believe in that. And then he shows me, shows us the way to go. And then we, in like, trust him with our lives. We trust him with the pieces to put things together. We trust him that he'll give us the next steps what we ought to do. You see, we have peace to rest. I sometimes have to remind myself of that, but I have peace to rest. Life is in pieces. There's these pieces, and I, I want to see them come together, and I can do what I need to do for that day, but when my head hits the pillow, I can rest. I can say, God's got this. Tomorrow's a new day. Let's see how these pieces start to come together. I don't have to be frantic. I don't have to be in a panic. Also, we have this idea that there's just peace to rest, but peace to trust. The idea of trust in motion, taking our next steps. Rest, I'm relaxing, I'm resting. But now peace to trust these next steps I take, and we can do that. Also, there's peace to go on. Sometimes that trust is we see the next step and we're going to take it, but it's another one. It's out of our comfort zone and we just keep moving and peace to go on. A few years ago, uh, this slogan came out, keep calm and carry on. Some of you guys have shirts with this. Some of you guys have stickers with this, bumper stickers, all this kind of stuff. And the interesting fact about this is this was a forgotten slogan back in World War II. Back in World War II, they were preparing for Germany to invade Great Britain. And in their preparation, they were trying to say, how do we encourage the people? And so somebody came up with a slogan, keep calm and carry on. And they made thousands of these flyers. And they packed them away to have them ready for the day Germany invaded and had boots on the ground in Great Britain. Well, it never happened. And believe it or not, something, those, those flyers just vanished until someone was cleaning out an old bookstore in the last whatever, 10 years or so, and came across a stack of these and said, wow, this is a pretty cool slogan. Let's get it out there. And all of a sudden, it's now everybody knows the slogan. But it's interesting. It was in preparation for boots on the ground. Never happened 
faded off. No one knew about it. No one remembered it. Someone finds a couple flyers, and now it's just a, it's a, it's a thought for encouragement. Even in these days with COVID and all these other things, you see this slogan being put out there. You and I can be at peace with God, and we can keep calm and carry on. Again, the angels sang to those shepherds, glory to God in the highest realms of heaven, for there is peace and good hope given to men and women. Everybody is included. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter what you're doing. The invitation is for everyone. Even after you've said yes to Christ, sometimes we get off the rails, we get going in a wrong direction, and we know that in our heart we still can realter or redirect our life and find that we can have that peace and good hope, all of us. Sometimes, like the shepherds, we just feel like uh, we're just not uh, uh, worried, so we, we, we're just not worthy, so we need to, in a sense, have peace with ourselves. We have to look to our past, we look to who we are, and, and, and we're just c- concerned about that. Uh, Peter writes this, he writes, So be content with who you are, and don't put on airs. God's strong hand is on you. He'll promote you at the right time. Live carefree before God. He is most careful with you. It's so cool that Peter wrote that. You know the stories about Peter? You know, Peter denies Christ. Peter uh, speaks before he thinks. He's all, I'm sure there's days, why am I so stupid? Why did I say that? Why did I do that? And all that stuff. And and he turns to write to say, you can be content with who you are. Uh, you You can move on. You can move through that. You can acknowledge who you are. You might need to taper something down, adjust something, but you can rest in that. You can live careful, carefree before God that he's not going to hold that stuff against you. He's not going to bring it up. He's forgiven you through his Christ, through his son Christ. So you can be careful. He can be care, carefree before him, and he is careful and tender with us. So those shepherds, the shepherds felt unworthy. Sometimes we feel unworthy, and you can think about all that goes along with that. Uh, inadequate. They felt they didn't have anything to offer. Um, shepherds weren't educated. She- you never, if you had a daughter, you didn't want them to marry a shepherd. A lot of their stuff was shady. Uh, they just, it was like the last job to get. You were a shepherd. You didn't have it, feel like you had anything to, uh, to offer, no training, no ability, and again, just feeling unworthy. Also, you just felt unloved. Society didn't care for those shepherds. Interesting, they needed those shepherds, they needed sheep, they needed the wool, they needed the, the, the lambs, to, they needed uh, you know, to eat lambs and all those kinds of things. They, need, they needed all that stuff, but they didn't, weren't accepted. And sometimes we can feel just like them. But again, you and I have the option, the invitation to begin every morning. Every morning, you hear me at it again. Every morning, I lay out the pieces of my life on your altar and watch for fire to descend. I love that verse. I actually have that verse written in my calendar for my morning devotions right now. I have it so when I see it, I I read that through. Every morning, I I get up 
It's me again, God. It's me. Every morning I lay out the pieces of my life. I got this piece, this piece, uh, this thing I created that's a problem, this one that's been dumped on me, and, and I'm trying to get all this stuff together, and I lay them before you, and then I watch for fire to descend, the idea of to God to actually show up in the middle of my problems. You see, when life is in pieces, God offers us peace. So whatever your pieces are, you might even be able to write a little letter in your notes if you're taking notes. You can write a little letter to symbolize so no one can look at it and go, what are those pieces? What do they write about? But you can write them down. You can take those pieces and lay them before him and God can offer you peace no matter who you are. You place your trust in Christ. You say yes to him. You say, I need you in my life. I need you just not for eternity, not just for salvation. I need you for daily salvation. I need you to be with me. I need to experience God with me on an hour-by-hour place, um, hour-by-hour basis. When life is in pieces, God offers us peace. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you that we can gather together to celebrate the gift of your son this morning. And we're thankful that he changes everything, changes us from the inside out, keeps working on our incompleteness. And Father, I, I just pray for my friends this morning, and I just ask that you would help us all uh, process through where we're at with you. What have we done with our pieces? Are we holding on to our pieces? Or do we lay them out before you and watch for fire to descend? It's not an instantaneous process, but we pray that we would be a part of that. And for the person here who's never said yes to you, may they in this moment, in in their hearts, say, Lord, I need you a part of my life. I need you to... Take the pieces. I know I have sin in my life. I know I've let it go rampant in my life, not walking according to your ways. I lay it all before you, and I want to see the fire descend and see you change me from the inside out. Come into my life, and I'll follow you the best way I know how. So, Lord, as we leave this morning, may we leave with a confidence and a strength that we can be at peace no matter how many pieces there are. We ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.